for someone to start playing D&D, it's very easy. A lot of people think, oh, I need to be an actor. It's a really cool, immersive experience. There were kids that would walk up sometimes and be wanting to know what it is they're playing. What you doing? Ah, oh, whatever. That's nerd stuff. But they wanted to know. We owe to those guys that they decided to record themselves while having games. That literally made it more tangible for a lot of people. And the game explodes. And now everybody's like, oh my God. Yeah, if you will. Why should you play D&D? Because it's fun. Hey guys, welcome back to Simply Talk, episode two. Uh, my name is Andres Sarmiento. I'm the co-founder of Simply Creative. I'm joined today by Jeffrey Creighton, my co-host, and Miguel Escobar. Um, go ahead and tell the audience a bit about yourself. Well, a little bit about me. I like long walks on the beach. But um, yes, I am also a filmmaker, actor, podcaster, all things creative. And um, yes, my shirt is a little wrinkled. Please don't point that out because I've already done that for you. It's fine. It's creative touch. No one's judging you. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Miguel Escobar. Uh, I am a content producer slash filmmaker uh, and slash as a hobby uh, dungeon master for D&D 5th edition. So Miguel, tell us what is Dungeon and Dragons? Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop role-playing game. It consists of a group of people that each one is portraying a character. You know, this group of people are led by one person that usually is called the dungeon master or the game master. And that person essentially is a storyteller that will take the adventurers or the players into a story where there's going to be a bunch of decisions that they have to take. Basically, um, interactive narrative. It's played by the chance of probability. In Dungeons & Dragons, there's this, uh, a bunch of dice, and they're referred to D and number. The number being how many sides the dice have. The main dice exactly. being the D20, which is basically, what would you say, 80% of the time would you roll? Essentially, it has... Uh, a scale of 1 to 20 probabilities. A 10 would be the passing, and then from that point on, uh, how good you do it or, 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 or how not good you do it. And tell us, how, how'd you find the game? Like, how'd you come across it? Oh, well, that's actually something interesting. Um, I had a group of people that used to play other types of uh, games with uh, in college. Something as simple as Clue or Monopoly or those kinds of games. And by following, you know, the, the whole let's get together and play games, people started bringing different types of games. Little by little, we're jumping in more and more and more towards fantasy. So the first one was maybe Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic Gathering, which are like competitive type of like trading card games. And then someone one day was like, hey, have you guys role played before? And we were actually not playing D&D at the time. And he was like, oh, I can, I can kind of portray the situation for you guys. And you essentially will just give me solutions or, or rather actions. And we'll flip a coin and see if you achieved the thing or you did not achieve the thing. And we, it was the most simple thing. He put some papers inside of a bowl and one said firefighter, the other one said carpenter, the other one said police officer, stuff like that. And everybody grabbed one, and the story was uh, you guys were hanging out at night for a little bit, and I don't know, you're watching the news, and it says that there's a zombie outbreak. And we were like, whoa, what do you mean a zombie outbreak? And when we step out of the house, we realized that the streets were chaos, there's no cars, there's no electricity, but it was good enough to put us in the mindset and start thinking as how would 
a firefighter answer a zombie apocalypse. The, the decisions that you have to do a little by little like change the narrative that you are telling. So like the literally you wanna you wanna start playing, you need to get yourself the player's handbook and the dungeon master's guide. There's so much information that you can get. Like there's books upon books upon books upon books. You learn the rule set, you either create a story or find yourself a story that, that already exists. And from that point on, you just start playing. <laughs> That's pretty much the indie. I've noticed that the the hook is mainly painting a scenario for the soon-to-be player, if you want to put it that way. Like I remember 100%. like the way you reeled me into it was that when we were working together at HD House and you just literally told me, imagine you're at a bar and X, Y, and C, what do you do? And it's 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 really I feel especially for the actor acting community, it's it's a really cool, immersive experience because you get to you're in control of the characters you create and how you portray them. And I think in the long haul, that that can possibly benefit something. I mean, um, Jeffrey, you probably all know this, but um, on YouTube, there's, um, what's it called? It's not Dimension 20, but that's one of them. It's uh, Critical Role, I think they're called. I watched yeah, Critical Role. That guy Critical. with the long hair, what's the guy's name? He's a voice actor. Matt, Matthew Mercer. Matthew Mercer. And also, uh, you, you know, Vin Diesel plays fucking D&D, like, like religiously. There's a lot of them that do. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them. That, there is a lot. Well, actually, you know what, what's really cool? I was reading an article that right now either just happened or it will happen very soon. Uh, Jack Black and Jeff Goldblum and, like, just a lot of, like, high-name actors that are going to do, like, a charity D&D session. It, it was not the thing that you used to talk about. Like what we were saying before, with the, when the cameras was not rolling, you know, it wasn't something that I grew up on. But if it had been, it would be intense like a mother blank. You said like, you know, it's like, well, if it was a little bit more available, maybe we would play a little bit more. But now is the easiest it yeah. has ever been to play online. Now you don't even have to leave your house. And it's... it's definitely doesn't replace the experience of me being in front of you yeah but it's the closest thing like what it's we're doing right now we could be playing dnd right now as a matter of fact uh we played dnd like this last session uh where like 90 percent of the party was in the household and the other one was um virtually what do you think changed to bring this let's call it an underground game and what brought it up to pop culture? What like because nowadays, yeah, one of the examples is Stranger Things made it visible and more approachable. But in your eyes, Miguel, what do you think was that shift that kind of brought it to pop culture? D and D was created in the seventies. You were like, it was considered a nerdy kind of thing, and you know, nerds were not in the trend it wasn't a thing that that was allowed to be enjoyed as it is right now so it was always on the like on the underground scene of things that can be do if maybe the one person knew how to dm that person will bring some friends in and they will get a party but no one will knew about that especially not something like what's happening today we we just mentioned a little bit ago the you guys said the name the critical role like we owe to those guys that they decided to record themselves while having games that we get to have a full-on show that tell us stories 
of this group of people and this group of people happen to be beautiful voice actors that have a tremendous amount of works in the in the video game industry in the movie industry and they just literally bring their potential as actors and voice actors and their personalities into these characters for our entertainment basically so that literally made it more tangible for a lot of people in the in the youtube uh, community and then from there you start getting all of these shows where as you were saying before, Ben Dizzle has his own show, and then uh, now the Jack Black thing that is happening, and little by little, like more and more and more stars start making a com- start making the game be unnoticeable until Stranger Things, which is one of the biggest you know selling uh, franchises on the on the market right now, and the game explodes, and now everybody's like, oh my god, it's become such a such an outlet. Like it's not it's not perceived anymore as like or oh, the game that you play secretly because you don't want to like be judged on to like, oh, this game is like an open door that just manifests all these games that I would be playing on a, on a console-based system, but I have 100% full control to an extent based on what the DM or the campaign says. But it's such an immersive experience that, shout out to Dylan, that literally creates characters for fun the worlds that you build with just a single idea and little factors that's provided by a, by a book. It's, it's really cool. You, you know, uh, you mentioned, you know, like, because nerds weren't a thing back then, I think nerds were. And the reason why I said it is because they created curiosity when you were in high school, if they were doing something, there were kids that would walk up sometimes and be wanting to know what it is they're playing, what you're doing. Maybe they might not end up playing it. They might brush it off. But there, people, especially if you're over there having fun and they don't know what you're having fun about. <laughs> Definitely. It, I, I was a part nerd, so I, I, I know I used to play chess. I used to, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, all that stuff. So the people would come and they'll just be like, what are you guys doing over there? Ah, oh, whatever. That's nerd stuff. But they wanted to know. And I'm pretty sure you've told someone who never knew anything about it, came up and walked up to you in school and were like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, you know? yeah, 100%. It, it definitely happened. I'm sure to this day, those that kind of like brushed it off are still thinking like, damn, I kind of wish I looked into it. Cause no, they're probably playing it now. They're probably playing it I now. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. You know? And Well, actually, I do have a story about that. Like uh, one day we were working and I happened to be with Dylan, the person that we keep mentioning right now. And I'm, and we're just commenting about something that was happening. And I don't know where the client that is with us on the shop, he just literally head into the kitchen. Hello. Uh, did I just hear you talking about D and D? And we were like, "What?" Like out of out of nowhere, and it was like, "Oh shit, that's that's really cool that someone just heard us talking about this and approached us like, dude, I am I'm also playing. Like, what's up? What is what the dungeon master? A dungeon master is a person that has literally the willingness to pick up a book, read the story, and be able to come up with a scenario for a group of people or the person that has an idea in their head and they're willing to create a world out of this. Now, there is a misconception that the dungeon master is a person telling the story and that he enforces the rules. And if you ever play, and this is, I, I, I really hope that the people that are watching this, and I'm looking to you, all of you online. If you have the experience of someone telling you, no, that's not how you're going to do it. That's not the way to do things. Or, or I do not allow that or some that's that person is being a toxic person and that is not the way that the game is supposed to go 
the number one rule is having fun. Fun trumps story, trumps rules. The last thing we look at is rules. Literally, the, the day that this happens, like someone just goes, give me one second, let me grab the book, and let me go in the middle of a session, and let me go to page something, something, and hey, the ruling says that, blah, blah, blah. the only moment that that should happen is when, when for real, the group cannot come into a, a, a decision, or the dungeon master, because we control so many aspects of the game, that we need some time to refresh on the rules. I've had situations where Planeswork want to do things that are beyond their means uh, of what the player can do, of what the character can do. But they decided to invest so much into a decision that even though wouldn't be able to be fulfilled, it's so cool that why deny it? A dungeon master tends to be a person that has to be very analytical into in terms of when to allow or not allow a situation in order to make the game fun. The moment the game is not fun, you literally start seeing people pulling their phones out. You lose the immersion. Like, exactly. You go from being excited about possibly doing something to, well, why the fuck can I do it? You can't avoid it. It's always going to happen because it's uh, games are like that are very unpredictable, but it's the dungeon master's uh, responsibility, I think, to re-navigate those decisions into like either try to through story format or through metagaming tell them whether they can do it or not this applies to everything but before you break the rules you have to know them you have to understand them exactly you happen to mention something called metagaming metagaming is when you allow your character to know what you as a player know so to give an example dungeon master is telling a situation that involves only one character at the point in time and the rest of the players are listening to the situation, but the characters are not present in the place. They cannot know this information because they were not there. One of the other things that a lot of people tend to think that D&D is, is a game that you can win. There's no winning in D&D because D&D is not about winning. D&D is about a story to tell. A character dying doesn't mean the end of anything. If anything, death, although it may be heartbreaking, it's a new opportunity in the game to reincarnate another character or like reimagine something else. Uh, what made you want to DM? DMing is a thing that comes natural if you're a storyteller. I happen to have the opportunity that when I started playing uh, role-playing games, my dungeon master was a person that his brain was a treasure trove of ideas. So he was literally speedballing idea after idea after idea after idea, and it was very easy for me to follow. And I was like, holy shit, this is so fun to do. But then... That group, sadly, had a fallout. It becomes a little bit harder to play these games consistently, but I keep. I wanted to continue playing, and all the players that I used to play with, none of them were DMs, so I was like, well, fuck it, I guess I'll try to DM myself. And I started DMing a campaign setting, a, a book that has a pre-reading com- campaign that you can take, and you can literally just read. You have you know what's going to happen, and, and it has a bunch of scenarios, and it says, okay, okay if players decide to go this way, these are the amount of things that can happen. If player goes this way, then th- all of these things can happen, and blah, 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 blah. So I started reading this campaign for uh, my brother-in-law and a, and a few other friends, and they got really hooked into it, and it was like, oh, shit, this is amazing. And then it just became a thing. We started playing on, on Dylan's campaign, and then that gave me the opportunity to be like, oh, well, I, now I have a stable group of people to play with 
let me try my shot at continuing the story that I had created in my world ages ago. With all the knowledge and experience you have, what, what do you, what would you say to the newcomer that is interested with the idea of playing, but is intimidated by the responsibility? Because by what we've said already, we understand that D&D is somewhat of a commitment. You have to do your homework. You have to understand the the lingo, the logistics, the probabilities. What would you say to, to Jeffrey? For someone to start playing D&D, it's very easy. A lot of people think, oh, I need to be an actor. Oh, I need to be, uh, I need to know how to make voices because if I don't make voices, my characters are not interesting. How does a newcomer start into getting into D&D? Watch a couple of YouTube videos. Get yourself the player's handbook because you need it for your players. And then if you need further more resources, Reddit, amazing. TikTok, ridiculously good. And the last thing that I would say that helps a lot is having a visual medium for you to, to play because it makes the game a little bit more engaging. Why should you play D&D? Why should you play D&D? You should play D&D if you want to have fun. Like... It's one of the most fun experiences that you're going to have if you allow yourself to not be filled with the precognitions that you might have about the game. Um, it's going to give you a bonding experience with your buddies. It's going to give you a story to tell. It's a medium of expression. Yeah, if you want. Why should you play D&D? Because it's fun. It's really, really fun. So are you sold, Jeffrey? I'm kind of already into the the game anyway i just haven't played D, &D but gotcha. like starfinder so i'm always down i really hope you have you in our table man we, we need to figure it away even if it is online yeah uh, definitely i might just have to do that i might just do online it's cool to be a nerd man hell yeah, nerd, cool nerds, nerd. are, nerds are in they always been in you know is there anything else you guys want to add set a ton already yeah like you, you you're paying miguel by the minute bro I'm paying him. Oh shit! I gotta talk to my accountant. I was in oh snap! About that. Did I did I did I say too much? I, I will receive this sourdough bread that's right here. Oh yeah, the sourdough oh, bread. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. For those of you that don't know, I I am a home baker. If you don't follow my Instagram, uh, simply creative nine two nine five. This is my sourdough, and for gratitude for coming on today's show, of course you can have this bread, Miguel. What is creativity for you, Miguel? I think creativity is that thing that feeds your soul. That makes you feel happy inside that i think is creativity for me for me i think it is uh remembering that five-year-old kid that you used to be that was really really creative nice. people forget that a lot it's just simply being creative so with that <laughs> note thank you guys for watching and stay creative